Welcome to the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Of course, there aren't really any normal people, but every person has a spirituality, whether plumbers or politicians, firefighters or farmers, entrepreneurs or entertainers. I'm Matthew Bruff, pastor and author, bringing you tips, guidance, and practical advice for how to live out and keep the life in your relationship with God. You can find show notes, books, and more at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. Welcome to episode 13 of the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Thanks so much for listening today. Today I have a great interview with Glenn Soderholm. I've known Glenn for a number of years. He's a pastor of Two Rivers Church in Guelph, Ontario, and we talk a little bit about uh, his experience starting up that church uh, in his home um, and then it growing a little bit uh, over the last number of years. Uh, the interview is just fantastic. We end up talking a lot about the spiritual life, um, his own theology of spirituality, and, and some of the very practical things he does in his life to connect with God. Glenn is also an accomplished musician, and you should definitely check out his music by going to Um or you can just go to the, the show notes uh, on spiritualityfornormalpeople.com slash Glenn. And actually, the notes are really extensive this time. And so if you've never gone to the website to check it out, you really should go and check those out. Um, You might be listening on the website, so you see them. But if you're not, go and check them out because there's some visual stuff on there as well. One of the parts of the conversation that I really liked with Glenn was a conversation about icons and um, what they are, how they're used, and his own use of icons and his own spirituality and uh, neither of us are experts on that. Um, but a couple of the images that he mentions uh, in the episode, I've just put pictures of those on the show notes. So uh, again, spiritualityfornormalpeople.com slash Glenn, you can go and see what it is we're talking about. Also, uh, Glenn um, talked about a, a few uh, different musicians or artists that are influential for him, and they'd be quite different than maybe what some of you know about. Um, so a number of them in uh, the classical music world, and we kind of talk a little bit about how we, uh, both of us are enthusiastic about uh, Bach and Palestrina. So you'll get to that in the interview. But if you want to listen to um, some clips or want a quick way to search for some of the uh, musicians, um, composers that we were talking about in the interview, you can find that on the show notes page as well and just scroll down and I uh, provided some links to some places on YouTube and other places online where you can find some of that music. So uh, yeah, it might be good for you to go and check that out. Uh, Glenn also has an amazing way, as you'll hear, of remembering different quotes, and uh, I tried to pull out a bunch of those and just put those in the show notes as well. So definitely go and check that all out on the website, um, and I think you'll you'll really appreciate that. Um, just before we get into the interview, I did want to just let you know about a couple of updates for myself. Um, I know I've talked about uh, my books before on the podcast um, but uh, if you're a first-time listener, um, I've got a couple of uh, different books out. I write some fiction, but I also have a book called Let God Be God and a book called Let God Be Present, and they're in a bit of a series. Uh, the paperbacks are now available for the second book, Let God Be Present. So I know lots of people prefer to have the paperback. The ebook's been available for a little while. Um, but the paperback's now available and you can get it on amazon.com or if you just go to my website again and just click on the books link, uh, you'll get links to, to the books that I write. And uh, I should let you know as well that at the end of June 2017, so if you're listening to this when these come out, at the end of June, the price on the ebooks of both books are going to be going up to $2.99, which still sounds really cheap, right? But right now they're 99 cents. So you can actually get those ebooks for 99 cents, and one of them is a very new book, and they've got lots of good reviews, so go and check them out. Even if you just go and look and just scroll down to the bottom, read some of the reviews and what people are saying about the books. So I'm I've been thrilled to read those reviews and see that. The books uh, are, are helping people in their spiritual life 
and uh, people are finding them to be accessible, um, but also uh, meaningful for them. So I and it, it kind of blows me away a little bit sometimes when I think about that. Um, but uh, but yeah, if you're interested, you can get the ebook for 99 cents right now uh, before the price goes up uh, close to the end of June. Um, so go and grab those. And, uh, you know, if you're on the fence about uh, whether you really want to read them or not, or you're not sure you have time, now is a great time to just get the ebook. And it can sort of sit there until you have time to read it. Um, and once you've read it, maybe, uh, maybe you'd want a, a paperback copy or something like that. The paperback copy is, is fairly inexpensive as well. Um, if you happen to be listening to this and you live in my hometown of Winnipeg, Manitoba, uh, I actually do have some, uh, I'll have some paperback copies available at my church at Prairie Presbyterian Church. So you can always send me an email as well if you're interested or if you're a pastor or something like that and you're listening from far away, um, especially if you're somewhere in Canada. If you're interested in uh, getting some of my books, there's been some interest in in uh, wanting to use them for small groups or for Bible study or things like that. If you want more copies, I might be able to get you a deal, but there's no real way to do that easily. But uh, yourself, but if you send me an email, you can you can contact me through the website. Uh, I'd be happy to to talk to you about that and how I can get you. Uh, you know, 10 copies or something like that for, for your church or for a small group. Uh, yeah, feel free to be in touch about that. Uh, be happy to, to help you out. Now, before we get to the interview with Glenn, I did want to play you one of his songs. Actually, in the interview, we talk about a few of his songs, but one of them is called Will You Wait For Me? And it's an Advent song, um, but it is really good. And a bunch of churches have used it, uh, during the season of Advent. And I know it is June when this episode is coming out. Um, but, uh, we can listen to it anyway and get a sense for what some of Glenn's music is like. And then after the interview is over, uh, I'll play one more of Glenn's songs as well. So you can hang in till the end of the interview and you can hear one more piece of his. So here is Will You Wait For Me by Glenn Soderholm, and then right after that, we'll go straight into the interview. With Mary on the journey, will you wait for me? With Mary on the journey, will you wait for me? With Mary on the journey, will you patient be? Will you wait, will you wait with me? With Joseph in confusion, will you wait for me? With Joseph in For me, with your 
I'm thrilled to welcome Glenn Soderholm to the podcast today. Welcome, Glenn. I'm thrilled to have you here. Thanks, Matt. It's good to see you again. Yeah, it's great to see you too. Uh, we were just talking offline uh, about how it's been a while, a couple of years since we've spoken. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would love, we kind of talked a little bit about this uh, already, but our listeners didn't get to hear it. But maybe just, I'd love to start to just hear about the work that you're currently doing. Um, you're a minister at Two Rivers Church. And uh, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about that and, and what you do there. Yeah. Um, well, you were hovering around uh, the gestation period of it because I came to to Canadian Ministries Conference almost five years ago with a story. You know, everything starts with a story. And, and it was really uh, one of a conversion story because, you know, I, I see our walk with Christ as being a a series of conversions really. And, and, um, and this was an encounter with a, an old friend, someone I hadn't seen in many, many years. And um, really 30 years we ran into each other and he started to share about something he was doing in Edmonton and started to uh, ask the question, uh, who is my neighbor? And began to think about what does it mean to be doing church amongst your neighbors? I, I, I often We'll teach now around the text uh, from Luke where, where the lawyer asked Jesus that question, well, then who is my neighbor? And of course, Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the way we preach that a lot is, you know, the, your neighbor is the person you least expect to be your neighbor. In this case, it was a Samaritan. And my line is, perhaps the person we least expect to be our neighbor in this day and age is our actual neighbor, the person that we live beside or across from. <laughs> Yeah. And so I started paying attention to the people that I live beside and across from and started to build friendships with them. And out of those friendships began to realize that there was the possibility of creating a faith community, a, a missional community, as we call it, that um, begins to ask, what is God already up to in this place? What What is the Holy Spirit already doing amongst these people with respect to their desires for human flourishing in this neighborhood? And what is the common good? And how do we begin to work together for that? And And is that something that is close to the heart of God, which I concluded, yes, it is. <laughs> and so uh, out of asking those questions and beginning to listen to the um, to the neighborhood and beginning to ask some questions around how might the place that we live in begin to shape who we are as a church is not a question the church has asked. Typically, we have this sort of colonial mentality. We come barging into neighborhoods and saying, hey, we know what you need. We know what this should look like. And it's not really a posture of humility very often. And um, and far be it for me to say that I'm humble. I'm always working at that. Um, but but at least it was, I think, a better question. And so uh, we started to try to develop a theology of place. What is what is God doing here? What is um, uh, what does God think and feel about these people in this in this particular place? So anyway, we started to basically meet in my my living room we met to have dinner together at six o'clock on Tuesday nights and I invited my neighbors to come mm -hmm. I like to say now sort of four and a half years in that um, that we're a collection of uh, strays orphans and exiles um, that people who had given up on church or people who had very misconstrued kind of notions about what church should be uh, and then a few mature Christians who were were anxious. Uh, I should probably turn off, try to figure out how to turn off that sound. But uh, but anyway, um, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn off my mail. Um, there. Uh, so the nice thing about podcasts is that they're super forgiving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, so yeah. So people have now figured out that we're not sitting in the same room. But but anyway. Um, yeah, so so that that's basically uh, we we decided to call it Two Rivers Church, and um, over the last four and a half years, we have been figuring out how to be church here in the neighborhood. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, 
Yeah. And you're not, you're not still in your living room. Well, you are sometimes. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. We're well, now in probably three. sometimes, but, but you've got other meeting places now too. Well, we now have three living rooms going every week. Uh, well, every other week and, um, I lead one of them and then I have leaders in the other two. And then we also, uh, have worked a lot at meeting in neutral spaces or third spaces in, in, in the neighborhood. So in different cafes, we've got a group that it's called Knit Happens, which meets in one cafe. We've got um, uh, another cafe that we do our evening liturgies in. We are uh, engaged with community gardens. We're, we're just trying to inhabit the, the community that we've been placed within. That's pretty cool. Um, I, this podcast is about spirituality, and I want to ask about your own personal, what you do, like what do you, what, um, but I'd also want to know maybe what you've learned through your work at two rivers uh, about what needs to be attended uh, to spiritually for people mm. or even for yourself, like, or, or how's your practice changed? Yeah. Um, wow. So much to say, where do we begin? I guess that whenever I talk about spirituality, I, I always start with the idea that, um, that spirituality is a gift that comes to us from, from God, that God is the initiator in a, in the spiritual life. Um, and so I use a, a line that comes from James Torrance and he says that prayer is the gift of participating through the spirit um, in the son's communion with the father. So I would say that I have a very Trinitarian kind of notion of spirituality that, that, um, that God comes to us inviting us to see ourselves as already included in the life of God, which is a triune life. Um, God at essence is being in communion, right? Uh, I like to talk about the idea that love always requires an other. And, and so I think in that sense, if we have a true understanding of who God is and what God is like, then we see that, then we can say God is love because God always has an other within God's own self from all eternity. And so um, creation, I believe, kind of is the result of the overflow of God's life of love, God's internal life of love. And that spills into creation. And we, we get to participate now in that, in that life. And so, um, so I think that's kind of the foundation of, of spirituality. Um, that we, we have always been in one sense, sort of the, the object of God's own love. And, uh, uh, yeah, so that's that's the starting place. Yeah, well, how do you think? Um, I, I'm kind of thinking about your uh, your reflection on on two rivers and how it got started, and just sort of you know seeing the neighbor as really the people right there um, mm-hmm. next to you, uh, and it, we, churches don't always necessarily start that way. I think more and more we're hearing about missional communities that maybe do, but sometimes there's sort of this strategy, like being strategic about who we're going to quote unquote reach Hmm. um, rather than like, it kind of seems like your notion of spirituality really connects well with the way you are in fact doing church Um, because this idea of neighbor being whoever the other is, who is right there. Um, yeah rather and, than and i think collective about who you know you're targeting <laughs> like it's it's terrible language but it's used yeah yeah well i think the key word here is listening right and 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 so if we've been included in the life of god then how do we how do we relate to what is going on in the life of god and and so if god is self-revealing um then we have to become, or we are given the opportunity to be attentive, right? To, to listen to. Uh, so it absolutely ties into a missional spirituality because a missional spirituality is saying, how do we go out to, into God's world and be attentive? How do we listen to, to what God is doing? So I think that 
happens profoundly in one's inner life with God. It, the spirituality is about learning how to listen to what God is saying to you. Henry Nouwen once said something to the effect of that, that prayer is listening to God tell you that you're the beloved child. And I mean, that's been huge for me um, because that's where it starts. Um, uh, I mean, you can see over my shoulder a picture of, of uh, Rembrandt's Return of the Prodigal. And I have that in my little prayer corner there because there's icons and 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 uh that's my prayer corner and 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 i look at that you know every morning um and i start by saying i am the beloved child of god the father and um and then i say i am the beloved friend of jesus the son and then i say i am the beloved temple of god the holy spirit i am enfolded in the three in one that's the the heart of my spirituality. I try and say that every day, several times a day. I teach other people to say it. I I have to remind myself regularly that that that's my identity. That's where my spirituality begins. Is in that the gift of that identity, and um, and so so listening to. I mean, I think I think that I've heard it said that our spirituality would be far better off by, you know, telling ourselves more like we need to talk to ourselves in healthy ways. Right. And, and um, because there's so many voices, right. There's so many voices that are trying to persuade us, uh, seduce us into a story, into a certain way of seeing the world of, of seeing ourselves in it. And uh, you know, the consumer narrative, the, the sexual fulfillment narrative, the competition narrative, those, those are the, the stories that are competing for our attention. But we are in the Jesus narrative. We're in the story of what has happened to us in Christ. And so, so we've got to kind of find ways to listen to those truths, right? And, and, and so, um, yeah, so I find that that's a helpful way for me to, to reflect on my spirituality. Yeah. So you also mentioned icons in there. Um, in passing. Yeah. <laughs> um, Glenn's a fellow Presbyterian. So we'll, we'll jump on the icons and we can talk about that. Um, yeah. but, uh, but how have you found those, uh, those useful or. Um, um, well, uh, I think. Or, in or my even spiritual... what are they for those who are maybe. Yeah. Not, uh, not yeah. familiar. Well, well, I think that, that my spirituality has grown out of a less abstracted spirituality into something that is, that is also more kinesthetic and, and that draws in all my senses. So, so I think Presbyterians, since we raised that, the P word, you know, have been famously, um, you know, limited in so many ways to kind of a cognitive or intellectual kind of a sp- spirituality, right? You know, we go to church, it's like going to school, you know, we're going to be sort of downloaded all the right information about about what God is like and what we're supposed to do. But I think that a healthy spirituality begins to integrate all the all the senses and who we are as human beings. So, So icons for me are a helpful way into using my senses. So there's the visual. So I have, uh, I have here in my little corner, I've got that uh, Rembrandt uh, representation of the prodigal. I have um, an icon of the Madonna and child that my daughter brought back to me from Russia when she was living in St. Petersburg, learning Russian. And then I have also, uh, I have the famous uh, Rublev um, Trinity there on the wall. And then I have this, amazing um uh bronze sculpture that i found in spain uh, a bunch of years ago my wife and i went there on a, on a vacation and we were celebrating anniversary and sort of the little joke became i need i'm going to find a religious icon to bring home with me and i and i stumbled upon this phenomenal uh icon of of christ suspended in in the pose of crucifixion uh, off sort of this rock it's kind of meant to be Golgotha I guess and he's and and it's uh it's it's a powerful piece in fact we use it at two rivers I bring it every to our liturgies and put it sort of at the center of our of our liturgies and and um and of course right now in Lent uh it's it's something that is 
particularly powerful for me as I reflect on the crucifixion. So the thing that that's important with respect to icons is that, um, is the, uh, idea that we don't worship the icon, but rather it, it helps us to see through the reality that is behind it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, the reality of, of, uh, who God is, is, is past that, you know, so we, peace is an aid it's a tool it's a help you know so i think that's always important for us protestants too you know just to if some people are nervous about that yeah yeah and i think um it's helped me to kind of think about the fact that we have symbols already in our church and we don't call them icons because they, because they aren't necessarily but they're kind of playing the same role like hmm. if you've got a cross where hanging in your church um or in your home and at some point you're praying while looking on that cross, you're engaging in, the, in a similar activity, right? Right. Um, it, you're not, we're not worshiping the actual cross. Right. Um, but it's, it's giving us a glimpse into, into Christ, into God, um, and what he's done and who he is. Uh, so, so to me, that's the same kind of thing. Um, sure. Or even the scriptures themselves. We're not worshiping the Bible, um, but there's plenty of Presbyterian churches that will have a processional where the Bible is brought in and it yes. sure looks like we're, <laughs> we're maybe worshiping it. We're giving honor, um, but we're seeing a reality of this is, this is, uh, this is sacred. This is um, we're participating in the life of God as the scriptures are being brought in. Um, so to me, those are, are similar kinds of activities. So I, I wouldn't, I, I don't hesitate to, to say it's fine to use icons. I don't use them personally in my own practice, but um, but I know they've been very helpful for, for many people. I also have a candle uh, that I always light at the beginning. And then I, I sort of quote to myself a, a text from Psalm 18. Um, it is you who light my lamp, the Lord, my God lights up my darkness. And so I, I, I light the candle. And then, so that also then works for visual, but for um, smell as well, because because yeah. that's another sense that we in the Protestant tradition have have not um, used all that well. But no. yeah, no. Um, now, do you have a do you have a certain time like that you like you said hopefully daily? Yeah. By the way, when you asked me to do this, I, I remember uh, that I s vowed to myself, I wanted to say at the beginning of this thing is like, I am not setting myself up here as the, oh, yeah. speaking of icons, as, as the para paragon of spirituality. Like I, I wrestle and struggle like everybody else uh, with trying to be consistent in, in this spiritual life. Um, and I, and I, and, and so I think the thing that has helped me most powerfully in that um, is this realization again, back to the idea that that our spirituality is rooted in 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 the gift and God moving to us. And and what's been hugely important for me is this idea of Jesus as our great high priest, that we have one who. Um, who prays for us, you know, that in Hebrews, it talks about that idea that, that Jesus is at the right hand of the father, where he lives to intercede for us. And then in Romans eight, we also have that extraordinary passage where Paul talks about how, when we don't know how to pray any longer that the Holy spirit then makes intercession for us. So I'm fond of saying that a two thirds of the Trinity are already praying for us. And so the foundation of prayer is in that, not in our ability or in our strength or our will, because then we'd be lost because we just don't have the, you know, we reach the end of ourselves and we just don't have the ability to do it. So, so I always start with that idea that, that God is praying for me and is taking my prayers, my little pathetic life here and is bringing it to the father and perfecting it. So, so in that sense, I'm being presented by this mediator, right? There's one mediator between God and human beings and that's Jesus. And so, so that, that gives takes my week and, and, and pathetic prayer life and, and brings it, makes it something beautiful and good. So, so if, now it's not easy to believe that to be true, right? Because we're, we tend to beat ourselves up about, Oh man, I haven't been here, you know, starting the day when I, so I am an early riser. I'm sort of getting back to your question. Now I, I, I have that 
sort of gift of being able to be alert fairly quickly in the morning. So I like to come down. Um, well, actually, I have a new ritual now, and I'll just say this too because this is going to be free associating and <laughs> wandering all over the place. But um, and, and this recording actually is done probably a couple of months in advance of it airing. So by the time people are listening to this in the future, you might have something totally different that you're doing. <laughs> well, I, yeah, um, you're getting sort of the culmination of, of a journey, but. Um, uh, actually what's been happening is I come down to make a coffee at 6.15 and then my wife joins me and we just sort of sit for a while and wake up and, 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 um, but, but, but it's been quite exciting recently. And, you know, sometimes people have these, uh, you know, how pastors get put on pedestals by their congregations and, and people, um, I'm sure that never happens with you, Matt, but, uh, <laughs> but, but the idea that, oh, the spiritual giants, you know, and, and, uh, but I, I don't know about you, but I have found it very hard to pray with my spouse. We've been married just 30 years now, which, um, I'm very, we just had our 30th anniversary, which is, uh, been a real gift. Um, uh, and of course we've prayed in crisis and we say grace and, and, you know, and when we've got things that, that are demanding, then, then we'll pray, but that sort of consistent, like meeting together as uh, something we've just been trying this last year. And I, I can't tell you exactly why it happened, but, but frankly, that's been an amazing new thing. And so as part of my spirituality has been this idea of now being able to, um, uh, sometimes we use, you know, whatever, a guide or a book, but sometimes it's just spontaneous, extemporaneous kind of, sometimes it's very short and to the point, And sometimes it's just period of being quiet. And, and, uh, and then sometimes it's very earnest and, and, uh, but, but so that's sort of how I begin. And then we go our separate ways and I move down here into my, my office and into my corner that I have these, uh, helps that I've been telling you about. And I have my books and Bibles and all those things. And, and, uh, I actually have a binder mat that I have created over the years. And this is my, it's kind of my prayer binder and, and it's got a lot of things I've collected, a lot of, um, amazing prayers that have been written by others. It's got Psalms, it's got texts from the new Testament. It's got little quotes and ideas about prayer. So that that's become a pretty significant piece for me. And then I have a journal and, uh, and so I don't write in it all the time, but I, I have, since I was 22 years old, I've been using a prayer journal and then that's been helpful as well. So, so I'll come down and, and I do have a bit of an order of how I'll approach things. And, and there's a few texts that I begin with uh, and, um, and then I move through those and, and, um, uh, yeah. So that's just been something that's kind of cultivated and come to me as I've experimented with things over the years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's also, it's really encouraging, I think for, for me and for, for others, I think to hear and to know, uh, okay, this is sometimes a struggle. This isn't always, this isn't always worked out. You know, I know for me, there are weeks where, okay, what, what, what's wrong this week? Oh, right. I haven't, prayed or read scripture at all um and uh and it's encouraging to hear about about your wife as well um you know my wife and i don't pray together regularly uh either um and but yeah again so there's meal times and grace and um uh and then we do our kind of separate things and and i i think as well i want to stress to people over and over again there isn't there isn't really right and wrong here right sure Um, so the hope is that anything that might be said or shared is going to might spark something for someone and, and think, Oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. Or that might be something that I might want to try because I'm, I've been having a tough time in my relationship with God, or I haven't really found a good practice or a way to, to enter into that relationship. Um, and so that's, that's the hope here is that, that maybe there's something that, that can be useful or helpful to others. Um, yeah, and and I I think that that um, you know you asked a question about what's in my routine or, or yeah. uh, so on, and um, I think there was uh, a time where I felt a lot of guilt about. So so this has been my story. So I started out with 
you know, sort of the notion of you have your devotions, right? You like, you know, you learn this at camp or through your youth group or pastors that told, you know, you got to have your quiet time every day. And it became this very legalistic sort of thing. Right. And so that's where a lot of the guilt came from. Right. So if I wasn't doing it or I didn't feel like I had some amazing insight, you know, then, then I'd feel, you know, and I, and I grew up in that world. And and I remember I actually worked with a guy once and, 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 uh, he will remain anonymous, but I remember he kept a binder with, uh, you know, the dates in it, and he would he would actually put a check mark first if he had his devotions or not, and then and then he had another column where he would put a check mark in if he really connected or not. You wow. know? And 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 I look back at that now, and I think, oh, you know, like it is so in some ways graceless, right? You know, that, that, that I think there's a lot of grace in, in prayer. But now, but I also have sort of, so I got out of that feeling guilty about not having great prayer times, but now I've kind of come back around to the idea that the power of habit, so that even when we're not feeling it or like we've broken through or anything, there's something about showing up that is powerful and good and, and that, you know, there's, but it's sort of a guiltless, you know, or, or less guilt sort of infused kind of, kind of idea. Everyone Glenn Soderholm has found the guiltless technique. <laughs> uh, no, but, but at least recognizing now that, no, it is actually those original impulses that came from the youth group that of trying to show up every day if you can, yeah. or in some consistent manner is actually good. It's kind of like going to church. You know how now people sort of don't go to church anymore. <laughs> and um, uh, they say your most here, so. <laughs> consistent members are, you know, come half the time and, and that's proven true. So uh, it's the new normal. And, but there's something really important about just showing up. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think we have to relearn that. Yeah. It, I mean, it reminds me of like uh, going to um, my daughter's swimming lessons, like, Cheryl is is the one taking her usually um, and that's a scheduling thing but I'm usually able to make it there to watch and there's not like and there's some days where it's like really like do I I don't really need to be there like there's I'm serving no useful purpose really yeah except she sees me yeah you know yeah um and uh and that's important uh, for our relationship. And I think like maybe, maybe as well, you know, when we show up and it's not about God keeping track of that, right? Like right. each individual, it's not like God is putting check marks in a notebook, <laughs> yeah. um, but it's sort of this sense of you show up and I might not feel anything in any given time, or I might not feel like I've really done anything or connected in any way, but, but I've been seen mm. and um and loved. I mean, I think there's this quote from Julian of Norwich that that um, I love, and and she says that prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance; mm. it is laying hold of God's willingness. Isn't that a great line? Like, That's awesome. yeah, because we tend to think we've got to persuade God to sort of. Hey, I'm here. You can, you'll like me now, right? I showed up, you know, but that's not it. God actually is pursuing us. The, that sense in which God longs for that connection. And, uh, yeah. So like if anyone's listening to this podcast in Guelph, which is where Glenn is, yeah. you're going to want to go hang out at, with, with him <laughs> because he has this great way, Glenn, you have this great way of just like, Oh, and here's this random quote from, 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 like, I wish I could do that. Like, that's not my gift to just sort of like, remember this, uh, here's this perfect thing. This, <laughs> this uh, like, I, I, you should just be the guest uh, every week. Like, oh, we should just have a meeting every week and, you're and kind. You're just kind. give me these, these wisdom <laughs> nuggets. It's really good. My other guests are great too. So it's, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm cognizant of time and I want to get to a couple of other things because um, I mentioned in, well, I will mention in the intro because the intro is recorded later um, that you're a musician, a great musician. And, um, and uh, I've got, I've had the pleasure of being at a bunch of concerts and listen to your music. Um, 
And so I want to talk to you a little bit about music and the role of music in uh, spirituality or spiritual practice and, and maybe just sort of any core themes that come out or that you've observed of your own music, I guess. Um, of course, you, you mentioned one already with uh, Jesus being the high, high priest. And that's, I know that's one of your songs. That's just one of my favorite songs of yours, actually. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that, that, that I, I love that one, but I'd love to hear a little bit about how you think about music. Maybe it's just part of art. But. Yeah. I think people are sometimes a little surprised that there's not more music involved in, in my quote, spiritual time. I mean, I think that I music is such a big part of my life that, that I can listen to uh, music anywhere. I, I like listening to music when I'm, you know, preparing dinner and, and I, I put something on and, and as I'm chopping and, and scraping and so on, you know, that, that, um, uh, whether it is uh, jazz or whether it's great pop music or whether it's quote, you know, sacred music, you know, that kind of thing, then um, I find something in it that is life giving. So that to me is spiritual. Um, I do then on occasion um, listen to certain kinds of sacred music that, that will, draw me near i i love uh acapella choral music you know palestrina and some of bach and and some of that stuff that actually is brilliant stuff and so um that helps me get into into a, a good space um, i'm with you i can't believe you mentioned palestrina and bach like those would probably yeah. be the two that i would mentioned nice. as well like that's awesome. <laughs> okay let's do that let's convert a bunch of people listening today who are not into uh, i don't like classical music uh, we'll convert people into uh lovers of bach and yeah. Austrian. go look those up everybody <laughs> and and actually um just in terms of contemporary composers uh arvo pert the estonian okay. composer and and taverner and Gorechki, they're sort of called the god squad the, their music uh it's also transcendent for me yeah, maybe I can find a way of linking people to a couple of those things, maybe on, on YouTube or something like that. Yeah. And then just in terms of contemporary, um, have you heard of the Bifrost Arts people? No. no. So Bifrost, B-I-F-R-O-S-T. Uh, I think they've got four albums out now. Um, I, as you know, I, I'm a little bit ambivalent about a lot of contemporary praise music. I find some of it can be helpful, but much of it not. So when I find contemporary stuff that, that you know, means something to me, I like to tell people about it. So yeah, check yeah. them out. Buy Frost Arts. You can find their albums. Yeah. Um, and I think they do. They take scripture predominantly and, and create very interesting arrangements. Mm. So, yeah. That's cool. But so I'll put that on sometimes in the morning. Um, uh, also have a ritual of listening to the Messiah during yeah. Lent and Advent. And uh, that's, that's great stuff too. And then what about, what about your own stuff? Um, not, I'm not asking you, do you listen to your own stuff? <laughs> um, but what, what do you see as some of the, the core uh, themes that, it, that you've explored through your own music? And uh, I'm thinking that might be helpful for people to hear about. Well, I think some of what I've already said, I think you'll see in my writing this notion of the Trinitarian kind of influence there. Um, God's movement towards us. Um, uh, I, I like to think of my songwriting is observational. I, I look at what's going on in the world and I try and see it from a Christian worldview and say, how, how do we respond to, to pain? How do we, how do we enter into, uh, suffering of the world and, and, um, be present. The language I'm using a lot is faithful presence. That's a key sort of language for our, our community. And um, so how do we be faithfully present in, in the community, in the world? God is faithfully present to us. Um, Eucharist is huge. We might be the only Presbyterian church in Canada that celebrates Eucharist at every, every public gathering. Um, So we, we are, trying to live that out in our liturgical life. 
Um, and then out of that, how do we be faithfully present to each other as covenant partners in, in our mission? And then how to be faithfully present to, to our neighbors and strangers and enemies? Uh, that's you know, something Jesus calls us to as well, which is not easy. But yeah. yeah. As well, like, I, I know I found there's, there's certain songs that our uh, congregation have sung um, and continue to come back to um, songs of yours. Um, and I know there's other congregations as well that have, have found um, a bunch of your music very helpful in, in worship life. Um, Thanks. And uh, so we've really appreciated that. Um, and uh, um, I'm thinking of titles, things like uh, every now and again, we will sing all is made well. Ooh, wow. A great one. And often that is just done. Mainly, maybe a few singers will do it and, and not necessarily whole community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, but then we'll do uh, may the peace of Christ be with you, which I think is really great. Um, and can even be a teaching teaching song. Um, and I know that's been used in lots of other congregations as well. Um, yeah. But uh, there are, yeah, not, not to us has been uh fairly, um, well used as well and then uh an advent song i wrote called uh uh will you wait for me you know so that one's gets yeah we've used that uh, as well um in advent and not in advent too <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's a that's a great song um we're always uh we're sometimes tempted to write extra verses to it um to oh yeah, yeah, yeah. characters because it follows through different characters in the advent in the lead up to jesus birth it does um, and uh and it's very good so we're thinking oh how else it's a great tune can we just use this with another biblical character <laughs> and write <laughs> you know, verse? So we'll send them to you if we do that <laughs> yeah yeah uh, matt i was going to mention one thing too that that um that I think has been uh key in terms of my own spiritual life. Um that again I, I was sort of hesitant about mentioning it because it has all the potential to feel like um sort of a pride thing. But but anyway, so I'm just gonna venture it out there. But I have been worry, work- we will judge you appropriately. Okay, thanks. Well, I've been working fairly hard at memorizing scripture and Psalms in particular. So um I heard Marva Dunn speak somewhere once and she was talking about how she had, uh, she swam a lot. She's had a lot of physical challenges in her life and she decided to start memorizing Psalms on every lap, like to, it's kind of like a rosary almost, you know, that she would go through the Psalm in her head as she swam. And so I was really taken with this. This is a long time ago now. And um, now I like to play golf. So I decided that I was going to create a golf rosary. So um, (laughs) that I would memorize 18 Psalms and have one for each hole of the course. So that as I'm moving my way, you know, from shot to shot, and that could often be a long time, (laughs) then, uh, then I would sort of try to to, uh, you know, make good use of that walking time and, and reflect on scripture. And then, of course, I have one friend who's quite a wag and he knew about this. And, and if I hit a particularly bad shot into the woods, he'd go, hey, Soderholm, what psalm are you quoting now? You know, and sort of, sort of the idea of psalms of imprecation uh, were useful at that point. But um, so... So anyways, I, I, I decided I'd say it because like, I remember, you know, it comes back to this whole legalistic sort of guilt memorizing verses in Sunday school kind of thing. Right. But, but I think now that I look back, I'm actually very grateful for some of that stuff in my childhood, because mm-hmm. I think there was this notion that, you know, that whole, you've hidden your word in my heart so that it might not sin against you uh, kind of idea. And, um, and so I will often move out of my office here and I'm home and I'll walk downtown. But it's an eight minute walk to the heart of my neighborhood in the downtown of Guelph. And, and I will kind of just go over stuff, you know, and, and uh, remind myself of these texts. And, and um, I think it has been powerful for me in terms of a, even an active spirituality. So I'm walking through the neighborhood, through the downtown, and I'm thinking about these texts and, and, um, and trying to to see how they connect. Uh, Eugene Peterson says this amazing line. He says, the energy of reconciliation is the dynamo at the center of the universe. So that's an amazing line. The energy of reconciliation is the dynamo at the center of the universe. So I, I often say to myself, you know, well, how can I connect into this energy of reconciliation today? 
you know, Lord, as I'm walking down these streets, as I'm meeting with these people, as I'm sitting having a coffee in this cafe and or in this pub having a beer or whatever the case may be. And and I and and so at times I, I feel like I've made the actual connection, you know, that something has happened as I've been reflecting on this line and someone suddenly shows up and we start having this meaningful conversation. And and so, so anyways, I just thought I'd, I'd throw that in as part of my practices anyways. And, and uh, um, it's interesting as I grow older and I'm like 57 now. So my short-term memory, man, I, it's scaring me the things I'm forgetting, but the stuff that have actually popped into my long-term memory, these texts, actually stay with me. It's been quite extraordinary. So, so if anyone's feeling like old and they're saying, well, I can't do that anymore. No, actually you can. It's, it's, uh, it's, there's techniques and things you can learn, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's actually come up surprisingly uh, frequently, the memorizing of scripture. So maybe it's, uh, maybe it's getting a resurgence coming back and, and it kind of faded from from church for a while as, yeah. as you know, we're not going to, we're not going to make our kids do that. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I, I don't think we should be making, making our kids do it um, uh, to the, maybe the extent that it once was. Um, but I think knowing by heart uh, and, and kind of, I, I like to think of it as knowing by heart. I don't do a lot of memorizing, um, but it's, it, it connects to that, you know, having the word in your heart. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a, I think that's a great thing. And we think of of things that we may have learned, the Lord's Prayer or uh, a creed, or um, you know, many people know the twenty third Psalm, often in older language, and um, and those things will come back to us. And you know, the number of people that I've visited as a pastor at the end of life who connect with those words, or as they hear those words spoken, are able to repeat one or two words. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's something going on for them. Uh, I, I wouldn't want people to lose that. So I think, I think that is important to bring that up. Um, and certainly not as a way of, uh, you know, showing that we are spiritual, more spiritual than others who are, who are not doing that. Um, but to encourage people to, to try that and to have some texts that they're able to know by heart. I think, I think it's really good. So yeah, and and it, and it kind of it works well, I think, with public spirituality too, in the sense that um, praying together as community. Um, yeah. If our prayers are rooted in scripture, if they're rooted in in ideas and themes and words that are really ours, they're distinctive to who we are. Then I think we're doing something good and and important there so um yeah you're steeping yourself in a language of yeah in in a certain language right in a certain vocabulary that's that's awesome Mm -hmm. uh we should probably wrap up because we've been talking for quite some time but uh um i did want to just uh recommend to people to check out uh glenn's music um for sure and we did talk about that briefly but i'll put links to wherever where can people find you online? Well, my website actually is, is uh, I did renew, I started a new one in December. So uh, some, t- some people have told me they can't find it. And I think what happened is they haven't cleared the cookies out of their browser and they're, they're going back to an old one. So, so there is a new website up. It, as always, it needs to be updated, but it actually has a relatively fresh picture of me. And, um, and so I'm going to put more stuff on there. Uh, but yeah, people can find my music, but they can find it on iTunes and, and uh, uh, if they want to. You know, I, I was going to ask you, and it's glensauderholm.com. Is that right? Yep. Okay. So I, I'll, I'll put a link in, but I want to, are you working on anything new? Um, I've written a few new worship songs, but no, sadly, I haven't, uh, because I've been so focused on really sure. doing this kind of community pastoring, I don't feel like I've had time to put the energy into recording, but I, I, I might have one album left in me. I, uh, I, I feel like the muse has been calling again lately, so we'll okay. see what comes of it. Okay. And you're still doing some concerts here and there. And- I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh. I'm up for that. I'm speaking. I'm doing a little more speaking now on missional church planting. Uh, yeah. Worship has been something I've talked about a lot, as you know, but uh, this is, this is becoming a passion now. So. Oh, that's really cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for this, Glenn. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Great to see you. All right. Take Talk care. to you again. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening to my interview with Glenn Soderholm. 
I did promise at the beginning that I would play one more of Glenn's songs. And uh, so I'm going to do that. And I just do recommend that you go and check out uh, all of Glenn's music. Uh, He writes some great songs and uh, great to listen to. And some of it is really great for use in churches as well. Um, So here's uh, one song for you to enjoy right now. This one's titled, In Jesus, Your Beloved Son. today's episode helpful. Don't forget to check out the show notes at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. There you can sign up to get the free short guide called Six Tips to Get Consistent in Connecting with God. And when you do that, you'll also get the latest updates and news from the blog, plus book announcements and anything else I may be working on. So head over to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com and sign up. Thanks for listening today and take care.